Welcome to Bear Necessities, the official Coventry Bears podcast. We live at CoventryBears.com and you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. So definitely go and tell your rugby league loving friends about us too. I'm Dave Musson, one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined as always by my co-pilot and former Bears fullback, Craig Cathcart. Craig, how are you doing? Yes, I'm good, mate. I'm good. One more week to go and uh, and the season starts. So very, very excited. Yeah, yeah. So um, as Craig just hinted at, this week's episode is a special one because take a breath everyone the season is starting um yeah after more than a year than after more than a year away the bears are finally getting back to betfred league one action as they kick off with a match at home to barrow raiders on sunday now because of that we are using this episode to preview the new season and i'm delighted to say that we're being joined by an esteemed panel of guests for the entirety of the show to help us do that previewing so i will introduce them all in turn um first of all bears director of rugby alan robinson alan welcome how are you doing? I'm great, Dave. Uh, really glad to be here and really glad to be a week away from the start of the season. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's finally here. Um, next up, it's only the head coach, Rich Squires. Rich, um, excited to have the new season within touching distance at last? Yeah, it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely is. Absolutely. And, um, and last but by no means least, player, coach, Scotland international, it's Dave Scott. Welcome, Dave. Are you, uh, are you glad to be done with pre-season? Yeah, it's been a bit of a strange pre-season, to be honest with you. Uh, we've had to make a lot of adjustments given the COVID restrictions and whatnot, but we've worked hard behind the scenes. Uh, we've got a good backroom staff, really good setup. Um, they've been working around the clock to, to make sure that we've had the most effective pre-season uh, possible. So really looking forward to getting into the season now. Uh, I think it's been about 14, 15, 16 months since we last played. So I think everyone's chomping at the bit to get going. Excellent. Yeah. Well, um, We've got a lot of things to cover here. So uh, so later on, we're going to chat about, well, let's think, the new satellite clubs that have been set up in the region and what that might mean for the future of rugby league in the West Midlands. And we'll obviously look ahead to the Barrow game and, and the season in general, I guess. But um, first of all, uh, the Bears have played two pre-season friendlies since we did our last podcast. So there was a 52-4 defeat to the Keithley Cougars, followed by a 28-22 victory over the London Scholars. Now, I am keen to hear the thoughts of all our guests on these two games, but but Craig, I actually wanted to bring you in first just to, to get a general reaction. And I think it's important to note that Keith Lee had already played a couple of matches before they played the Bears, including some competitive rugby league in the form of the Challenge Cup. So I don't think we should get too carried away by that result. And actually, you know, if you start the analysis from half time at the Cougars game, and then into the Scholars match, it, it does show a team starting to click, starting to find form, starting to find fitness, doesn't it? I mean, how do you read those first two results? Yeah, I think they were they're both uh, very good choices as pre-season friendlies, uh, playing one of the pre-season favourites for the league and also playing one of the teams, probably what that most people would be expect to be in and around the same position in the table as the Bears. So, and... Yeah, they. I watched the, the Cougars game. Definitely some ring rustiness in the first half, uh, and the Cougars looked sharper, um, made less errors. Uh, again, you know, all these sorts of things are to be expected in preseason. It's about getting your finding your feet again. Uh, some of the guys hadn't played for for well over a year, so you know, it it must have been a shock to the system, particularly in the first half. But the second half was very impressive. Uh, you know, uh, defended really well. Um, looks more of a threat going forward. Um, I, I haven't obviously seen any footage from the game at the weekend against Scholars, but again, uh, a very good result to get the win and, and very impressive. 
Mm, definitely. So um, well, let, let's bring our guests in then, because otherwise um, they're literally just sitting here listening to us. Nobody's rambling on, which is a bit of a waste of their time. So, so Rich, I, I'll start with you. And I want to give you your first opportunity to do something you'll be doing a lot this year and, and talking to us and giving us your your post-match thoughts. So just, just give us your perspective on those two pre-season friendlies as head coach. Two very different games, um, to be fair. We got a, it was a very tough first half over at Keefley. You could tell that you could definitely tell they played three games before. Um, you know, we did all the right things kind of going into it, you know, with the warmth and everything, which is really good. But we just got caught off guard by, you know, how fluent they were and it was very stop start. We didn't adjust to the new rules kind of as we should have. Um, but saying that you can only put the new rules into practice playing. Um, so there's only so much you can do in training, you know, even though we had a referee visit down. Um, that Keithley game was the first actual test for our boys with the new with the new rules. And it was, you know, it was, it was tough and it took us, you know, 40 minutes to adjust to it. Um, you know, and once we actually sat down and adjusted at half time and both myself and Dave actually spoke to him, it was kind of, you know, you, you actually need to adapt just quicker than what you, you know. And the boys were honest in their own opinions of it. Um, which was good. And then, you know, we had a solid second half against Keith, which carried on, on into um, Scholars. Um, you know, we made a few changes at Scholars with with no Dave, um, no Liam Willem, um, no, no Ben Pointer, Brad Ho, obviously, who got stretched off against Keithley. Um, we just got told to rest him. He'll be fit and ready to go for Barrow, which is good news. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so we made some changes and the boys were probably really reacted to it. And you could tell that there was a big difference you know, in in the, in the rook speed and the contact and everything that me and David spoken about after the review on Friday, the boys put into practice and, you know, it worked for them. You know, we went 18-0 up. We, we, we gave away two really soft tries. You know, scholars didn't really have to work hard for it. You know, one of them was an intercept and one of them went, you know, a half-decent kick and they got the bounce of the ball. But apart from that, we, we were very solid and, you know, we've had our little blips um, where we lose our bits of momentum. But, you're going to get them in pre-season friendly just for the amount of changes we're making. You know, it's it's roll on, roll off. You know, some boys don't want to come off and don't really need to come off. But, you know, we, we, we got what we needed to get out of our friendlies and, you know, we've we've come out fairly healthy, which is good. Yeah, yeah. And and Dave, what about you? I mean, your your first action with your new team, um, what, what have you been able to take out of these these games? Uh, I think the, the scoreline maybe doesn't really reflect the game against Keithley. Um, some of the video uh, was a little bit disappointing to watch uh, and the reason for that was uh, it was lapses in concentration when we got to tackles four and five we gave away a lot of penalties uh, and then when we actually got the football we were making tackle one and two errors so we were just inviting them into our half so the most frustrating thing for me and Rich was that we weren't challenging them to come into our half we just let them play in our half and you look at some of the, the players they've got in the team sheet and ex-Super League experience and if they spend enough time in your own red zone, you're going to concede points, unfortunately. And so that was the really disappointing side of it. Um, but as we've mentioned, going into the second half, we were able to kind of fix up a lot of little things around the middle. We were able to get a little bit more of a foothold in the game and be, be a lot more competitive, which was pleasing. And then that really led into the Scholars game uh, and we spoke all week about how we wanted to approach the game. And I think the first 20, 25 minutes of the game, we played absolutely perfect, high completion rates, good field position, and it showed in the scoreboard going 18 miles up. And as Squires has just alluded to there, um, we gave away some soft tries uh, that allowed scholars back into the game. So I think in total, we had two tries off kicks, one intercept uh, and one barge over from, 
from two metres out on the goal line. Um, and none of those we've really asked scholars to do much to score against us. So we've got some things to fix up there without a doubt. Um, but what was really pleasing was that we allowed them back into the game and we showed the character to say, do you know something? You're back in the game. You've brought it to level level score. I think it got to 22-22 and we showed some resilience and some character to to grind the winner. Um, so it's a big lesson for us, that scholars game in terms of building a scoreline and then protecting that scoreline and managing the game properly. So yeah. um, we've learned a lot from those two games and we've seen improvements um, throughout both of them. So it's, it's all really positive at the moment and getting the win uh, is really important because it just gives you that bit of momentum going to the start of the season. But everything positive for me and Squires so far, I think. Yeah. And, and lastly, Alan, I mean, your view from the sidelines, what's, what sort of improvement did you see from, from the Cougars game onto the Scholars' performance? Yeah, I think the you know the Keithley game was it was like trying to stop a freight train that first half an hour, but we needed that. You know, we needed to put the boys under that pressure. And I thought, yes, it was very, very difficult, but obviously come half time, it was a bit of a reassessment, a few home truths, and and the guys sort of got a handle of it a lot better. You know, we came out of the game and then when we reflected on it, we thought, look, you know, at the end of the day, there's still a lot of positives to take from it. The fact that Keithley had played three games you know I'd spoken to York I'd spoken to Broncos I'd spoken to a few of the championship teams that had been playing and really everything that had come back from them was you know play games you know put yourselves under that pressure and obviously with the new rules there was a bit of added pressure there as well and a bit of nerves so yes you know we made a lot of mistakes but and the main thing as well of course is you need the ball you know you need the ball to be able to to put the opposition under pressure and, and to be able to sort of get into that arm wrestle and, and, and challenge their middle. And we didn't really get the chance to do that um, until the second half. And But, but we, you know, when we look back at it, we were making yards. We were doing some of the other things really well and there was some great positives to take from it. And I think the most pleasing thing for me was when we went into the Scholars game, you know, Rich and Dave and, you know, and, and, and I'd, we were on a bit of a chat about it. And I think, the, the most pleasing thing for me was that, you know, we brought that intensity. We realised, look, you know, we need to up our game here. The intensity needs to be a lot higher than what it is in training. Um, and it's been very difficult because obviously you need to play games to get to get that intensity in the game. And, and I thought what really pleased me was that sort of, there was a lot of little niggly mistakes, but when we, when we were intense in the middle, you know, a forward aimed up, uh, you know, we put scholars under a lot of pressure. Um, and you know we scored some good tries and yes we made a lot of little mistakes but again you can put that down to sort of not been playing for such a long time and uh, and been out of the game so really great the fact that we gave everyone a game on Saturday as well sort of around the squad so we've looked at everybody um, and then you look at who didn't play 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 on the weekend and uh, you know there's some strong guys to come back in there so you know, and I know Dave and Rich will both tell you that we spoke on, I think, Saturday night and, you know, there's going to be some headaches this week when it comes to uh, to selection. So that's that's got to be a good thing. Mm, definitely. Um, Craig, I think it was over to you next. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you've, you've, you've all touched on it really. So, I mean, there's one thing training week in, week out and looking at what everyone's doing in training, but, um, I'm guessing having a couple of games now where you've got match footage and you can see um, progress a lot, you know, in both of those games. Um, does that help 
help with your approach heading into the first game next week? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it's when you, when you train up from the full way through pre-season, you're actually, I, I mean, it's probably a little bit easier for me than it is for Dave because Dave's trying to train and do both. So he can't see things from the side. And he's, he's in the mix of it. Um, but, you know, Dave actually got a chance to be at the sideline and see things from that side of view. Um, you know, but the, the footage just lets us see the little things that we can't see. Um, you know, how people are working off the ball, because obviously the cameras are working off the ball, the little extra efforts people are making, um, you know, it allows us to watch back and, you know, you can some sometimes get too caught up in on a game day, you know. Um, so when you can actually sit back and have a look at it, there's, you know, there's always more positives than negatives, you know. Um, and it sees the little things that you can't see, like, you know, who made the errors or, you know, if you came and share it the weekend, who keeps the ball dead when you're not meant to be kicking the ball and just little things like that. It highlights little things like, um, you know, that we'll pull up with some of the players. But yeah, it's it's it, it's a lot easier for us to, to kind of assess things and go into next week, 100%. That's Kim, great. Cheers. Cheers. Kim Sherrod's got history kicking the ball at the Scholars when he shouldn't he shouldn't be kicking it, if I remember our 2018 <laughs> season correctly. Any yeah, licence they have now has been revoked, I'll tell you that right. <laughs> <laughs> 10 yards out, I might as well kick it out and do a 40-20. Yeah, he's not going to live that down, is he? <laughs> After the weekend. Well, let, let's look more closely at the start of the season then. Um, we, we've mentioned it's Barrow. I, I mean, couldn't really have been given a tougher start. They, they are one of the promotion favourites. Um, Al, I think if, if we start with you, I, I know you'd obviously rather be in a position where fans can come in and cheer the team on, but just to have the season finally starting, that must be a huge weight off. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit surreal. Um, it's been, a, I think you try and put it out of your mind for so long and now it's suddenly here. Um, but, you know, I'm really pleased with where we are. You know, I know a lot of people um, don't always consider the Bears and you know where we are, but uh, and what we're trying to do. But you know, all we can do is the best we can. And uh, you know, I'm really confident that Rich and Dave and the guys, you know, we're in a different place. I really feel that we're in a different place to what we have been in the past. And it's been because we've been through all this. You know, we've been through all this. We've 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 been a lot closer. We've spoken a lot more. Um, and I think the guys, you know, it's really sunk in with the guys. It's, it's about not just what the club expects and wants to go through and where we want to be and what we want to do, but, you know, the boys are all really want to prove themselves. And I suppose that's the most going to be the most pleasing thing, you know, to see the boys back at the butts, big pitch, you know, 4G. It's had, the pitch has had a bit of work done to it. Um, you know, and Barrow have got to come a long way. And uh, it's it's going to be really, really interesting. And, and I certainly believe that, um, the guys are, are in a really good place now and, and I think mentally um, we couldn't be in a better place you know the culture and, and the way everyone's been carrying themselves has been really really pleasing mm. and and Dave I wanted to bring you in here as well actually because I mean obviously Alan and Rich have, have, have hinted that the squad's in good shape and I'm particularly intrigued for your perspective because it's been a long time since anyone's been able to play. So I'm guessing you must just be itching to get on the field and get stuck into a competitive match. But for you as well, in this new dual role, it's, it's your first first proper bite at that. So, so how excited are you for the start of the season? Uh, I think you've just alluded to that. Everyone's really excited for the start of the season. I said it earlier, it's been 14, 15, 16 months since anyone played. So... Naturally, um, 
you, you miss it a lot more um, and you realise how much you love the game when, when you're not able to do it. So I'm really excited. I can't wait to get stuck in. Same as all, all the other lads. And that probably showed in some of the first pre-season friendlies, especially Keithley. Um, you know, getting that nerves back on game day, the feeling in the changing room. Uh, and, you know, that's part of match day, trying to overcome that as well and trying to handle the emotions. So um, it's definitely important to get those pre-season friendlies and to help us prepare for Barrow there. But yeah, I'm absolutely loving my role as player coach and kind of having a bit more of an input into uh, how we want to play the game um, and how we want to manage the players and these types of things. Um, it is really challenging, um, as you can imagine. Uh, I think Squires alluded to it, especially when you're training or playing you're kind of in the heat of the moment, you're in the game um, and you're out there with the lads, but it's very different when you watch a game from the sideline. It's very diff different when you watch a game on video review. So um, it's challenging. It's a lot more work. Um, I take a lot more work home with me, sitting down, watching a lot more games and trying to identify areas that we can work on, trying to identify areas that we're going to focus on for, for the upcoming weeks. So, But I absolutely love it. And I think probably because I've had so much time off, it's kind of reinforced how much I do enjoy the game and how much I do love it. And yeah, just can't wait to get cracking. Mm -hmm. uh, Craig, over to you. Yeah, uh, I was just going to ask about the, the remainder of the month, really. Um, I, I think when the fixtures came out, it looked pretty intriguing, got a really difficult first game but then for me anyway um in my opinion i think there's probably three winnable games after that you got uh west wales and, and rochdale i mean they'll they'll not be easy away games but and then scholars at home as well so what are you guys uh, targeting really for the for the first month of the season i think for me we we need to start this week you know really solid and, and give a really good account of ourselves um, you know, Alan said, you know, Barrow got to travel a long way and they've had a long way off. You know, they've, I think their last pre-season game was three weeks ago, so they might be a little bit rusty as well. So where we've come off back to, we've played with some confidence, you know, and we've been able to rest a few people and some people are fresh. It's, it could be really good for us. Um, but looking past Barrow, you know, there's, there's no reason we can't win those three games. Um, obviously, the two obvious ones that we'll be looking for is West Wales and London. Um you know, we've we've seen a little bit of those from, and some people will be assessing the kind of results from. Obviously, scholars beat West Wales, we beat scholars. So, pre-season games being nothing, you know, and they'll definitely be two we'll be targeting. As will North Wales. You know, we kind of, I think someone mentioned it the weekend. We're kind of in a bracket at the minute with London scholars and, and West Wales. Um, you know, in around that thing, and North Wales are kind of one step above us, along with the Hunslets and stuff. And we need to be really now stepping up into that bracket, uh, and really testing these people on a a week, you know, weekly basis. So, you know, every game we're going into this year, we, we're confident we can do, you know, do a job on people. Um, so, you know, after Barrow, you know, after we'll be looking for three wins. Um, you know, we've, we've Rochdale in there as well. That people are tipping them to go to the top. Um, but again, I think a lot of ring rustiness with those and, you know, a lot of, again, they're, they're the same with us. So they've got a lot of new faces. Um, so it's yeah. about how people keep keeping fit and how people kind of gel together as a group. Um, will have a massive effect on people this year. What about you, Dave? What what, what are you uh, aiming at this uh, this first month? Um, well, before I got onto that, I think Squires has, has touched on it there. Um, and you've probably seen some of the results in Super League, some of the results in Championship, and the table's not maybe as you'd expect it to be. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's probably an ideal time to be playing the big teams, um, simply because 
we've been off for that amount of time when it comes to game day. Um, it's a bit more of a level playing field and it's probably going to get to mid-season before teams kind of start to find the stride a little bit. So I think that's really important for us um, to bear that in mind and make sure that we go 100% into every game, give it everything that we've got. Yeah. And if we have a dig, who knows what can happen? Uh, that's the way we need to see it. And yeah, OK, we can say that the next two games against Scholars and West Wales, we're looking to target, but similarly, they're going to be targeting us. And yeah. so they're not gimmies by any any stretch of the imagination. We need to be on our A game. Um, and if we're not, we're at risk of getting beat. And I think it's League One's now one of those types of leagues. If you turn up and you're not in your A game, you know, you're going to get turned over because the quality in the league um, and some of the individual qualities within the teams is, you know, ex-Super League standards and some potential Super League standards as well. So, yeah, we really need to make sure that we've got a match sharpness, match fitness up to speed, um, which obviously we've tried to implement in pre-season in, in these two pre-season friendlies. So we go into it with a lot of confidence, but I think, uh, you know, I, I'm exactly the same as Squires. If, if we look at the first month, if we can come away with six points from it, we'll be very happy with that. Yeah, and I'll, I guess um, with this short, shortened season as well, there's, there's games are coming thick and fast right at the beginning. So, Al, what's your thoughts on, on, on what you'd like to get out of this first month? I mean, we looked at the condensed fixtures and it really is a challenge. You know, before there was quite a bit of free time, actually. When you look at it now, it's just flat out. I think there's one weekend off in July. Other than that, it's flat out all the way through 18 games. You know, and that's going to take a real toll. Um, so I agree with what Dave said. I think COVID's a massive leveller, you know, um, and I think <clears throat> we've got to use this first month as a really, not as an extended pre-season as such, but in a way to sort of, you know, we've got to be the best we can be every week and we've got to try and improve on each week uh, and we've got to be able to survive the season, you know, and I think a lot of people forget that as well. You know, we're still, we still are in the middle of COVID. You know, there still are a lot of challenges around fixtures, around games. Obviously, it'll be fantastic and all being well, you know, come uh, the Scholars game, we will have a crowd. You know, that's what we're hoping for. But, you know, right now, and I think it's been the right thing is, you know, we're just, all of us really, I think, are focusing more so on the squad and, and, and looking after the boys and getting the best out of them. And I think Rich and Dave have done a great job of that so far. So, you know, this week, I mean, we're really excited, but this week, obviously, is, uh, you know, it, it's a leveller and we're going to give it our best shot. And I think the last couple of games in, in the month, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely mentally prepared. And you've got to have these goals and you've got to try and set these standards high. Um, and that's the only way we're going we're gonna to move forward with the club. Great stuff. Right. So, so we'll, over to you, Dave. Yeah, cheers. So we'll, we'll we'll come back to the new season in a moment, but um one thing I did want to bring in here was 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 just reflect on the the brilliant news about the new satellite clubs that have been announced. So they're all, of course they're all part of the World Cup legacy and um, you know they really feel like something that are going to make a big difference to the sport in these parts. Um and I guess all three of you have probably got a slightly different perspective on this. And then probably you as well, Craig, at the end of it as well, because of your route into the game. But Al, if you could start off just, just by recapping on, on sort of the, the details of what these three clubs are. So, so where they are, what it all means and, and all that kind of stuff, that'd be really helpful. Uh, yeah. So probably, um, 
where we know probably late 2019, I'd say, was when we started looking at this. Um, we obviously had uh, we've looked and really it began with us looking at a sort of an RFL development plan. Um, the RF, the RFL have got a, a process now in regards to a lot of the areas and a lot of the geographical areas, uh, which I think has been really good. And we went through that process. We looked at what we've developed so far, what we've done within our community structure, what the foundation has achieved as such. And, you know, we thought, right, you know, we've, we're really happy with a number of things. Uh, for example, with TAG, TAG has been really successful. Uh, we've obviously engaged with TriTag Rugby in regards to the franchise side of it. But when it comes to sort of that participation side, engagement with the Bears, there's a lot of little things in there as well. You know, leading up to the World Cup as well, we're getting a lot of interest from the TAG uh, participants. So that's been great. But something obviously we're always really conscious of and, and something I'm really conscious of is, you know, long term, there's got to be, we've got to start to embed a pathway. Um, and the biggest challenge of all has been being able to play, you know, having juniors that have been able to play fixtures. Uh, and I think really where we identified was that we need to try and have some local engagement where we can create some some um, participation and some competition amongst, uh, you know, those junior age groups where they don't have to travel, you know, two or three hours uh, across the Midlands to, for games you know, they can play games locally and we can get that uh, sort of little bit of a competition and rivalry and start to try and build something from a real foundation. So that, that was the beginning of it. Obviously, there was there was a lot of funding. Um, applications had to be made. Um, the boys did, did, did a bike ride as well and raised a, a great amount of money. There's all those things sort of led to this now and we're literally on the, on the breach of it now. It's uh, happening this week. So we're launching the clubs formally you know, then the end of this week. So it's it's really exciting. Um, for me personally, it's an opportunity to to put some real foundations down that can hopefully last, you know, forever. Um, and I think really when we look at it deep down, it has that opportunity, it has that capability um, because we're trying to embed the clubs within facilities with its own, with their own volunteers, with their own coaches, supported by the club and not just sort of the club doing everything. And I think in the past, that's been perhaps a little bit, you know, we take on everything ourselves and we try and make it all stand up. But when when we can recruit volunteers, and there's been volunteers coming out of the woodwork, uh, and obviously the World Cup has helped with that as well, and that sort of legacy side of it. So really exciting. Um, and again, I'm sure, you know, Dave and Rich have both been are really aware of what's been going on. Rich has got his own little take on it. And I know Dave, you know, is is a bit newer to I suppose how, how our club works, but but you know, it's been I think it's been great for those guys to see the reaction of those guys as well to the fact that you know we're really building something. Mm. Well, well, Rich, I wanted to bring you in here anyway because um, you're you're from a a rugby league hotbed um, in Hull, if I've remembered correctly, and and you know that there's a real pathway for kids there when they you know right from when they first pick up a ball all the way through to a potential career in either black and white or red and white. I mean, what sort of impact could these clubs have on the sport here? Like if we were to fast forward 10 years from now, like what, what sort of difference could it make? Yeah, it's massive. You know, just the amount of, you see it in the first teams now for whole, you know, you, you have, you have local talent in, in both, you know, in both teams that are making the England night squad uh, and in the England squad. So, you know, it's one of them where, especially in Hull, you can go no more than two miles or the end of a street and there's a rugby league club. 
you know, and you go down there on a Saturday or Sunday morning and there's two, three hundred kids running around with coaches everywhere and it's just packed, you know, and it's and that's at every single club. Um, so obviously and they filter up, they essentially, you know, feed the age groups going up through. Um, and I think all the, and, and under, you know, everywhere else in the M60 corridor, I struggle if they didn't have that kind of foundation to come through. Um and again, that's not, it's not just players, that's volunteers as well, because you need all the coaches, you know, you need all the medical staff. That, so parents play a big part in it as well. So this, you know, the stuff that Alan's put together and, you know, and Debbie and everybody else is is kind of really family friendly. So it's not just the kids who want to kind of get involved, it's everyone in the family. You know, there's there might be, you know, brother, sister that have no interest in rugby, but, you know, there's always a role that they can play in it. Um but the development side, you know, it's, it's good to have that feeding up through because we don't have to, you don't have to travel further afield. You know, you've kind of got it on your own doorstep and there's that crop coming through. It's an endless amount of crop. Um, you know, so especially over in Hull, they have, if you think of it, they have from the 12s and the 13s and 14s, they have like a, an east of the city versus the west of the city. So, you know, coaches get picked. They have kind of like what you used to be back in the day, they used to have like service areas. So, when I was growing up the service area, you'd have Bradford, Kirklees, Wakefield, Leeds, Hull, uh, Cumbria. And you kind of play a bit of a round robin and you, you got selected. And then from there, you move up to Yorkshire and you go through that. Uh, obviously, the RFL lost the funding with that. So people have been taking their own direction with it. Um, but in Hull, they have the East versus the West, which is really good. It's, yeah, it's people's first really competitive rugby. But that's on the, you know, on the 12, 13. So there's still quite a long way off. I'll get into it. Um, and obviously under 15 and under 16, the scholarship comes into it. Mm. Um, it used to be, well, has gone back to it now, KI used to have their own scholarship. FC had their own scholarship. Uh, a few years ago, they merged into the city of Hull. Uh, they've now split again. So kind of two scholarships will be, will be you know, taking on a good crop of players in the 15s and the 16s. Uh, and if I'm right, I think it's 25 at each age group. So you kind of have a crop of 50 um, from there that then feed up through uh, into the 19s and kind of the reserve system if we do bring that back but it, it just gives players more contact time you know and Alan you know was the big one said that it's games he's getting kids the games you know it's same as the first team it's alright you're training all the way through pre-season and stuff but the kids ultimately just want to play games you know they love going out on a Sunday and tackling other kids and you know it's you always have the big units who go around and throw people about and then you have the real, you know, it's just, it's that that puts smiles on people's faces of, you know, and it's always good seeing a kid that you may pick up, you know, if we're fast forwarding 10 years down the line, someone who starts playing in one of these new teams, you know, makes their first team debut with, with the Bears, you know, that would be an ultimate milestone for the club. Um, you know, someone who we've brought for our own systems, you know, and goes on to play a big part of it. So, this is this is the start, you know. It's only going to get better, um, you know. But there's some real talent around here that's currently playing union because that's all they've kind of got access to. Um, but I think with the the juniors who did last last season, we played a couple of games and they actually did play Yorkshire team. Um, I think the under 16s we had last year didn't lose a game. Mm. So you know, it's there is, there is it out there. It's just we've got to provide the right foundations for it, and that's what we've done with these three clubs. Yeah, and, and Dave, um, assuming your your Wikipedia page is correct, it, it appears you got into the sport fairly early on. Um, you you were able to to find a league side fairly close to you. Um, 
again, I guess it, this feels like a really exciting opportunity for, for kids around here to experience the other form of rugby, doesn't it? As, as Rich was just saying, it's an area that people are perhaps, they've only had union to, to have a go at, but actually like you had, having access to a club to go and give the other side of it a try, that, that must be really exciting. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess for me, it was timing. Um, it was only really rugby union that was available kind of locally to me at the time. And then, um, you know, I, I don't know what it was. I just wanted to to try rugby league. Uh, I think I'd seen it on telly and I just thought, that looks amazing. I, I want to give that a go. And um, I used to travel across from Stirling to Glasgow um, a couple of times a week just to go train. And fortunately at the time, there was plenty of other other teams around Glasgow and, and the city. So we was able to have plenty of games and it just kind of went from there. And then I think Hull Kingston Rovers had a partnership uh, with Scotland Rugby League and I happened to be playing a game uh, from a local amateur club um, in the middle of a park in Glasgow against a touring team from Hull. So I think it was actually East Hull and they sent a scout up from Hull KR and then from there I got invited to the academy. So it was just really fortunate that there was that partnership um, otherwise it wouldn't have happened so that kind of ties in perfectly to Coventry Bears and then having these three clubs now that we've got these kind of satellite clubs um, if we're able to you know get a player that comes through the system and then comes to Coventry Bears and then maybe even develops from there goes into Championship Super League I think that'd be absolutely fantastic it'd be a great story um, and it's probably one of the reasons that I wanted to join the Bears as well you know not being from the heartlands of rugby league uh, and having the opportunity to be involved in developing the sport and developing local talent um, very similar to myself so very kind of close to my heart in, in that sense I suppose um, yeah. and it'd just be absolutely fantastic just to put Coventry on the map and we're taking the right steps to do that yeah and Craig I wanted to bring you in quickly here as well because because I'm guessing your introduction to rugby league was was similar to to Alan and sort of playing it when you got to university, was it? So, like in terms yeah, of actually playing the game. So again, the sort of difference that these clubs might might make. Yeah, and that that's quite late. Um, you know, I, I just think, um, you know, I wouldn't say I had as much talent as Alan, but um, you know, if both of us had grown up in a in a rugby league area and, and had the opportunity to pick up a ball at a young age and learn the skills and, and, and everything else, because it is, it's a bit of a, a myth, I think out there that rugby union players can pick up a rugby ball and start playing rugby league. If you do that late on, even sort of 18 years plus, it's very hard transition. So what you want is, is juniors playing and picking up the ball early. The main difference from this, I mean, I, I've been down to see the Bears juniors a few times over the years and, and they've had, you know, 100 plus players there training, uh, you know, once once a week and, uh, and and going down on the weekends and as well. But it's always been difficult getting games, um, I guess. So having three teams locally and also a, a renewed sort of um, in the Midlands as well. There's a lot of clubs now um, working with getting juniors set up. So you know, again, having more regular games will will make a huge difference. I mean, there's there has been a few lads that have come through from the juniors, but what you want really is a conveyor belt. You want people um, not seeing it as something to to spend a bit of time in the summer going down and training and learning new skills, but you want lads to play it and go, this is the sport for me, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And they'll only get that 
if they play regular games. They'll not get it just from from training and, and playing a couple of games every summer. Um, they need to be playing regularly, and 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 they, you know, believe me, a lot of them will fall in love with the game. Yeah, yeah, great. I think um, I think ultimately as well, Dave. You know, it's um, you know we want to have an, be able to have an academy that and, and a sustainable academy. Hmm. Um, and I think with you know, but to populate an academy, you need you need players. And I think it's uh, having that below, you know, the juniors below that is critical to that. Um, and obviously, just to touch on something else Craig said, you know, th- there is a huge renewed vigour in the Midlands um, and in the community game around this area as well. And I think, um, you know, it really is exciting. And I think have, us having those couple more satellite clubs as well, just only just builds on that for the West Midlands. And the fact that one of our satellite clubs is in Birmingham as well is is a really, really pleasing thing because it's, you know, we're tipping into a huge population centre there uh, that we haven't done before and making the game more accessible. And it's brilliant to hear Dave's story about, you know, just picking up a ball, playing rugby league in Glasgow. I mean, Craig and I have a, have a, similar, have a similar path. And by the way, Craig's been a bit modest there because he was my captain actually under 13s um, at school. So, you know, um, but it's just great. All these stories, I think, and it's part of rugby league. And I think that's what excites me the most and drives me the most when it comes to developing the game is because you hear these stories about people being able to access rugby league and they go on to great things. And, you know, and for us to be able to create that opportunity is is the best part of it. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you put it like that, it's just unbelievably exciting. So yeah, really, I, I mean, I, I feel a real sense of pride that these these clubs are starting and getting launched and I'm sure everybody else connected with the Bears does as well. So it's it's another, uh, very much another string to the club's bow this year, particularly in a World Cup year as well. And it, it really does feel like a, a fitting legacy for that tournament as well. So terrific stuff, really excited to see. We just, uh, we just need Dave Scott to score the winning try against Australia and out of the Rico. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So Stranger things have happened. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Well, um, let's let's move on. Um we we uh we put a call out on on the social channels for for any questions that people might have. And we, we had a few in. It turns out we've probably got sort of one for each of you at, actually. So I think um Craig, I think if, if you if you start off with we've got one that I think Al would be best place to answer from uh, from Grow Rugby League, Eric, and then I think there was one from Mike Shires, which is probably well suited for Rich, um, and then we got one in particular for Dave as well, which I'll I'll pick up at the end. But um, but yeah, Craig, if you want to go in with the with the ones for for Al and the ones for Rich first, yeah. So this is from Grow Rugby League, Eric on Twitter, and uh, he said. With people predicting the demise of all below Super League with no central funding, how are Coventry Bears placed to be able to weather the storm? And he has asked, and I don't think you'll be able to answer this, but he has also asked, plus how much do you get at the moment? <laughs> um, well, the first part of that question, I think, is really easy to answer. We've, we've been weathering the storm for the last couple of years. Um you know, the game's been changing. How the game's been governed has been changing. Um, this The amount of money is is, is reduced. Um, everyone talks about it being sort of, you know, 70, 80K. It's not 70, 80K. It's, 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 it is a bit, it is less than that. Um, and, you know, when it comes to how, what amount of distribution you get, it's very much based on where you finish within the league and uh, what you offer the game in regards to return on investment 
and um, you know your sustainability and your financials and, and everything else. I can't see there being one club in League One, you know, unless they're very independently wealthy clubs financed by a wealthy benefactor that could survive without central funding. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we, the competition needs to be a certain level. It's you know we've got to have, we want to have professional players. To have professional players, you know, you need a budget, and uh, the central funding is a significant part of that budget. So. You know, with us, it's, it's probably significantly more than, than other clubs. Um, and we're a new club. Uh, we are only six years in the league. Uh, there's other clubs that have been professional for many, many more years. Um, but, you know, we're a bottom-up approach. I've, I've said this and I've tried to explain this to many people before. And, and a bottom-up approach means a sustainable business first and foremost and uh, trying to develop the club and your players and, and everything else alongside that. And that means you can only spend a certain amount of money on a playing budget. Uh, and it has to fit within how you function your club and, and uh, how, you, how, you, how you model your business. The other clubs are different. You know, other clubs will have probably considerably more sponsorship, um, considerably more um, personal input from, you know, directors, owners, that sort of thing. You know, I'm contrary to what some people might say. I'm certainly not a, a wealthy guy that's uh, off flying to Barbados of you know on holidays and spent put putting loads of money in you know into the club you know um we're very modest in what we do um and rich and dave will will, will back me up on that you know it's you know we we manage uh, we manage our playing budget in a, in a very um, sustainable manner and i think the most pleasing thing of all is the players that we bring into the club understand that as well uh, and they understand where the club is and what the club's trying to do so I suppose to answer that question, um, you know, in a, in a shorter form, it's uh, I can't see how um, League One could continue without some sort of distribution of some kind at the at its current format. You know, being uh, you know a semi-professional professional, professional um, level with a certain level of um, competition that that's that uh, sits below the Championship and Super League. Um, you know, when it comes to the amount of money we get, you know, people aren't too far off, but it's nowhere near, you know, the amount of money within our club is is vastly re- reduced compared to to many other clubs in Championship and League One. And, you know, we're we're very proud of that as well. I think just, just one last point for me on that, Alan, as well, is that um, for me anyway, League One clubs get a very, very modest amount of money in comparison to Super League and Championship clubs. And it's completely the wrong way to look at things by saying, oh, to save to save money, we can cut League One adrift. Because actually you're you what you're getting for your outlay in League One for me anyway is um, you know, is much more. You know, you've got a pyramid there where where players can come through. You've got opportunities for new clubs coming into the game, but equally you've got opportunities for clubs. Uh, I'll use Cougars as a good example, a, a club that um, has had to rebuild a game uh, in League One who you know, who, who wishes to be in the Championship and, and Super League. Take League One away and, and that opportunity goes as well. Uh, and and also, if, if you don't have a League One, then there's no opportunities for new ambitious clubs to come into the game either um, because they'll struggle going into like a championship or a super super league two type competition. So the, the the bottom line, you've nailed it. The bottom line is 
Uh, and I believe people are not experienced when they think this way. Uh, some people think, you know, that lots and lots of money and it just happens, you know, and you've only got to look at, unfortunately, the likes of Toronto to see that is not just the case. You need, you need to have a foundation. But, you know, the pathway for players is a very small part of it. You know, does the sport want to have a national footprint or does the sport want to just be a northern sport? You know, even we've been, I've been running the Bears for 20 years. I've been going into schools the last two weeks and I'm still meeting people that think rugby league is a northern sport. You know, we've got to be, we've got to get beyond that. We've got to get, a, 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 you know, away from that. And we've got to be recognised as, as a national sport and rugby league you know, that's the only way the game is going to go anywhere, you know, and um, I I firmly believe, you know, expansion is one thing, but it, it is very, 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 very difficult. We are judged the same as, as clubs that have been around for 100 years, and that makes it so much more difficult for us, not just on the field, but off the field. You know, we're, we're constantly showing the beauty of the game to people and, and, and trying to grow it. But yeah, there's so many barriers. There's a lot of challenges in the way. But I think the game, you know, the the the, the not just the RFL. The RFL understands that they want to have a national footprint and they want people from all across, you know, the UK to to be involved in rugby league and to grow rugby league. You know, some people don't always share that, and I think you know the bigger clubs. It's very difficult at the moment because the Super League clubs, you know, they are. Their businesses in their own right. Their own. They have owners of their own right. They have their own communities. Um, but surely the best thing for the game is to get the best players on the field, and the best players playing for England, and the best players playing for the other four nations, and the best competition possible at the top of the league. You know, at the top of level, which would be Super League, like the NRL. You know, and if we can get to that, everything else is going to benefit from it. And you've only got to look at Coventry, Birmingham, the West Midlands, the East Midlands. The Midlands itself, the population centres within it are huge. And um, if we can just keep tapping away at that, keep growing and growing and growing within that, you know, we can become can be some, become something bigger. And, you know, um, the opportunity is there. But the, the game has got to want that opportunity. Yeah, And, and I think that's the most frustrating thing. I think to add on to that as well, it's like I don't think people see what Alan actually does. You know, we had a, a player join us, obviously from Bradford, and he was, you know, introducing to Alan, you know, director of rugby owner. He was like, "What? Your owner comes down to training? You know, I haven't seen our owner in, in years. You know, and then you go last before the Keeble game, the Friday night, we finished training, and Alan's cooked up spag ball for the boys. You know, how many owners <laughs> in rugby have cooked up spag ball for the boys? So it's, it's little things like that where I don't think people actually realise how much hard work goes into it and what people do to, you know, to make it sustainable and, and to make it work. And a good spag ball as well. <laughs> I think I'm just going to jump in there and say, um, I've not really made any secrets about it for the last kind of two years of my career. I've, I've not enjoyed playing rugby league for personal reasons. Um, and it's probably one of the reasons when I spoke to Alan about coming to the club, um, it was kind of that family feel, it's family run. And Alan is very hands-on and very involved at training. And Squires just said, um, get stuck in with the lads, um, has some good crack and he, he cooks some good foods. 
and <laughs> it's, it's, it's got a really good feel to it and you know I, I, I'm really pleased that I decided to join the club because it's made me kind of fall back in love with the game again and I'm absolutely loving my time here and loving what I'm doing so I guess what I'm trying to say is thank you <laughs> <laughs> I think you know it's great to hear that from boys you know but I think the great you know we're all in this together like and uh you know, I wouldn't enjoy it as much if the boys weren't the way they were and the work they put in as well, you know. And I just, it's really difficult when you go online sometimes. You see the negativity around rugby league and the game and, you know, all the talk at the minute about League One and Championship being cast aside and everything else. You can get, it's very, very easy to get caught up in it and get tied into it and and, and have a good old whinge. And now and again, I'm known for a good old whinge and I have that good old whinge. I've just got to try and not do it public, so publicly, maybe. But it's, I think, you know, we all love the game. And, and everyone at all the other clubs, you know, they love the game. I, I think we've just got to try and find some sort of harmonious way in which, you know, everybody from Lee, you know, from the community game all the way through, can can we can all work together to get the best out of everything. Um, but certainly from our own perspective and a Coventry perspective, you know, we, we love the game. We want to play the game. It's great that we're in league one. You know, we want to continue to be in league one and we want to showcase the game to, to people in, in our area. And, you know, and the best way of doing that is obviously to be in league one. So hopefully, you know, the powers that be and, and, the, and the clubs, the bigger clubs that, that obviously have a big say in this can see the benefit that the likes of Coventry Bears can bring the game and that we can continue to do that. You know, if we don't, then, you know, we will, we'll, we'll have to relook at it and, and look at what the best way we can, we can keep, keep moving forward again is, but right now it's Barrow next Sunday, you know, and and that's, that's, I think what everyone's focusing on. And, um, you know, we've got to not get drawn into all that negativity and and, and focus on, you know, week on week now and, and get through COVID as well, you know, which has been a really difficult time. Great stuff there. Um, yeah, Craig, I think there was a, there was a question from Mike Shires as well, which I think is probably well suited to ask Rich. Yeah, so uh, let me just find it, actually. will be one second. So uh, Mike's question was around um, something that we've spoken about, actually, before we, before we hit record, was that uh, traditionally the Bears have struggled with um, in, the, in the pack uh, down the mid through the middle. So, what? How do you think things are looking this year in terms of, of uh, the pack and, and being competitive in the middle again? Yeah, we've you know it's something that Alan's kind of highlighted for for a number of years that he wants a big physical pack that can you know that can lead us around the field. Um, you know, we've kind of tried to recruit in that area this year. Um, you know, there's a couple of boys who have been around the club for a number of years, so. They're kind of starting to see the difference and the change of approach we've gone, um, you know. And it was, you could see in in, in both games, Keithley and, and Scholars, we've got, you know, we got commended by both coaches about about our pack, um, which I don't think has happened for a number of years, um, you know. So that that's good to hear. But I don't think they've we're nowhere near where we need to be. You know, there's still a lot of improvements um, to, to come in that pack. It's and it's, you know, they're not they're not the most experienced pack. You know, there's there's still some boys transitioning from rugby union there who have, you know, you look at the so Josh Jenner started the week and has played one game of league before, you know, and so they haven't played or established rugby for a number of years. Um, but you know, we sat down 
after I think me and Dave sat down with the forwards after about a month of pre-season just said look you've got probably one of the best back lines in League One you know when you look at both Wellens uh, you've got Nathan at the back Hayden obviously who can score tries for fun uh, and Reese France as well and throw a couple of others in there it's but they need to kind of set a platform um, you know and we're a little bit we were treading on water a little bit the first month and it wasn't doing what we kind of kind of said. And we kind of had to sit down and give them some home truth saying, look, if this carries on, they can't do their job without kind of you doing yours. Um, and it was people knowing the role. Um, and a big one I've kind of mentioned to them is I wanted some kind of physical aggression to kind of to assert their physical dominance in other teams. Uh, you know, and we definitely did that against Keith Lee. You know, the first 20 minutes, we absolutely whacked them about, you know, and speaking of Reese Lovegrove, their boys hated it. You know, it was just the little things that we kind of did after that, you know, but we took it into skulls and again, we whacked them about and we were, you know, go, we go back to our a little bit of rustiness, but our first attacking set at Keefley, we ended up, we ended up on our own 10 and we rolled Keefley 80 metres, you know, and that's without even kind of doing anything it's dangerous what we should be doing. You know, we were still carrying one up. We weren't playing in pairs. We didn't have the little shape that the boys know we should have, you know, and we'll have moving forward. So it's the little things like that where getting the forwards to understand that we're carrying in pairs of a little bit of shape makes it a lot easier for them. I don't think they realise how, you know, especially against a team like Barrow, for example. You know, Barrow are a big physical side who who assert their physical dominant in team and then their halfbacks and you know do, do the rest off the back of it and we've got some we've got to try and do that ourselves this year um, so Barrow will be a real test for where we're at um, but I'm happy with what we've done last you know the first two games um, they've really set a platform for us to be able to play um, they've been aggressive you know they've stood up fronted up uh, you know and, and it's, it's been good and you can see throughout the boys they're, they're kind of seeing that Um and having a little bit of belief in himself, you know, Peter Ryan, I had a few home truths with him last season in the first three games, you know, he wasn't where he needed to be. Um, and these first two games has been has been massive, you know, and I think Alan, Alan will agree with that and Dave as well. He's actually asserted his physical dominance, he's running over the top of people, he's whacking people, you know, and the boys are, are thriving off that, uh, you know, and it's, and it's a big way to kind of put your foot down on teams. Um, you know, but then he's got others around him who are also doing the same thing. Um, you know, then you go to, you, you move outside the back and you've got both Wellams who are freakishly bony and elbow, but, you know, they're not scared to kind of whack about as well. So we're starting off in the forward pack. We've kind of tried to instill it across a full team um, and especially into the boys coming off the bench. Um, you know, we've spoke about it before. It's tough in a pre-season game when you you're rolling on and off, but you go into when you've got 17 blokes and there's a limited amount of subs. You know, the people who are starting need to assert that and the people who are coming off the bench need to hit that level and take it a little bit higher. You know, yeah. so it's it's the pre-season games have allowed us to find our forwards who are probably better suited coming off the bench, you know, energy-wise um, and to, to raise a couple of standards to you know, to kind of kick on from it. And the boys who can kind of settle us into emotion, start us off and get us on that front foot. Um, but there's been, you know, throughout full pre-season, the, the forwards are going in strides and 
the halves. You know, Dave being one of them, I'll, I'll probably love playing off the back of him. Um, you know, and we've, we've kind of said to him, the halves will tell you. You know, if Dave's if Dave's getting the ball stood still in his own twenty, you know, Dave wants to be playing in a dinner suit all year. You know, you don't want him to get him thrown around. Yeah. Um, so, and we kind of haven't done that in previous years. You know, our ball was need to look after our boys and you know and and start to look to enjoy going to wax and worry, you know, and kind of enjoy doing it. Um, and that's kind of been part of the culture that, you know, Alan's brought to us and obviously he's had his say in it and where he wants to go with it. And I think the boys are taking that on board and, you know, he's been tipping them up as well, which 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 is good. And it's a little bit, little bit old school, but it's kind of what some boys need. You know, it's you see it on Super League, it's a little bit too fancy sometimes, you know, where Dave Nock said something the other day, like, you know, it's a simple game, you know, and I think sometimes you can get away from that quite easily. And, um, you know, we we do have some great ability, like in our outside backs, but the forwards, if they don't do that simple game and don't get us to where we need to and don't, you know, get stuck in, then we're just not going to be able to play, you know, and you've got to have the ball and you've got to retain the ball and you've got to have discipline in the middle, you know, and I think... Again, like what was really pleasing from, I think, Scholars was we had really good intensity in the middle, but there's a lot more to come from those guys. And I think we've got, you know, we've got probably three or four guys that have, you know, there's, there's a couple of forwards in there, a couple of props in there that are really probably maybe played a handful of games, you know, and, and to think that they're making breaks, they're, you know, they're running over the top of people, they're making good yardage against some established teams. And, they, you know, they've, they've not embarrassed themselves in the last couple of weeks really bodes well, you know, because, you know, this competition is really physical in the middle, you know, and I think that's something I've I've kept on about. The boys are sick of me going on, sick of me going on about it, but, you know, there's some big packs in this league. You know, we've got to be physical and we've got to front up against them or we're just going to get, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be good. So, so we really have hammered that home <laughs> over the last... Yeah. Uh, you know, pre-season and, and, and it's great to see that hopefully it's starting to come to fruition, mm-hmm. you know. I look Good. forward to seeing it. Good. So we, we did also just have one question specifically for Dave. Um, so I'll, I'll come on to that now and then we can wrap this up. So this is from uh, from Mark in Portsmouth. So here we go. Um, it says, hi, David. Um, I've followed your rugby league career closely ever since watching you against New Zealand in the 2013 World Cup. Uh, from then on, you'd had a great career at some excellent clubs like Doncaster and Batley. I remember at Batley in particular, you gained the affectionate nickname McCock. Is this something that has carried on through to the fans and dressing room at Coventry? And then he says, best of luck for the upcoming season. Um, so, so, so Dave, um, over to you. Uh, thanks for your question, Mark. Very kind of you to ask that. <laughs> uh, just to give you a bit of insight. Uh, Mark, oh, Mark, Mark, Mark Family-friendly show, this dude. You are A family-friendly show, you can't do that. <laughs> so Mark, Mark and I uh, used to work together back in 2013, 2014, worked together for about seven years. And um, any time I'd maybe go into my office, any time I'd open up... Uh, my workbook, uh, there'd be maybe some sticky notes left over. I think one time I actually went to go fill up petrol in my car, um, press the button for, you know, the, the little flap to open. And 
there I've got a picture of McCock. <laughs> so uh, this guy's terrorised me for the last seven or eight years um, and called him McCock. And yeah, it's, he's really tried to stick with it. And yeah, apparently he's put up my Wikipedia page and all these types of things. And it's never been a nickname that anyone's called me apart from him. It's never been anything that's stuck. And for the last now. years, he's tried desperately to make it stick. And he's tried that's to make it like hell. You really and I think he's probably back at the point where McCock is going to be my new nickname, unfortunately. <laughs> so, well done, Mark, and thank you very much. <laughs> new year, new year, new season, new nickname. Um, okay. On that note, we should probably start, we should probably start rounding up. I was so conscious I've kept you for a lot of, a lot of time, so I appreciate that. Um, let's uh, let's wrap this up then. So, let, to finish, let's go around the panel, um, including you, Craig. Actually, um, I just I just was curious to hear. You know your your one line, as few words as possible. One line summary of what your hopes are for the Bears in twenty twenty one. And uh, Craig, actually, you, you can go first. You can go first on that one. I think just getting back to playing rugby, but doing it well and getting wins. Mm-hmm. Simple, yeah. Uh, Rich, uh, consistency. You know, it was good. <laughs> the difference between you know after the game at Keighley when we've. You know, I lost 52 4 and the boys getting a win at the weekend was completely different. Um, so smiles on face is a big one for us and you know, and, and keep making the steps forward to to kind of prove people wrong. That's that's the big one for me, is proving a lot of people wrong of yeah. and our impressions on people. Great. Um, Alan. Um, I think just some sustainable, you know, and uh some sustainable success. You know, I think um you know, with the club as a whole, you know, we, move, we always move forward. We try and move forward, try our best. And, you know, I think it'd be great for us this year to get some some more wins on the board, um, you know, with the first team and th- that can galvanise everybody else, you know, and uh, I'm really excited for that. And I'm I'm hoping the boys, you know, are going to do us all proud. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Dave, apart from a new nickname, um, what are you looking for this season? <laughs> uh, I think just for the team to be fearless. Um, we're going to be underdogs all year and we need to thrive off that. Um, it's as simple as that. We need to believe in ourselves um, and we can't go into any game thinking that we're beat before we're on the field and we have to be competitive throughout the game. Um, so for me, yeah, we just need to be fearless um, and believe in ourselves and let's just work hard, have a dig in every game and let's see what happens. Great. Great. Brilliant. Well, um, we're going to be here every step of the way. So do stick with us here at Bear Necessities and subscribe wherever you listen if you haven't done so already so you don't miss a beat. Um, thanks to you, dear listener, for, for listening. And, um, and how about this? Our next episode is going to bring you all the reaction from the first game of the new season, which it's been a long time since we've been able to say that. So um, first of all, Dave, Rich, Alan, thank you so much for your time. Um, really appreciate you joining us for this, this preview season and best of luck for the new year. Um, and Craig, thanks to you as ever for, for sticking here with me. Um, and I guess for all of you, yeah, good luck. Thank you. And uh, bring on the new season and we'll see you soon. Nice one. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you.